What if Calvin Sampson was never fired by the Indiana Hoosiers? You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, guys? It is Wednesday, July 13th. This is Locked On Hoosiers. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Brood. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen every single day. We are your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU athletics. We are fully in a dead period right now, middle of July. So I thought we'd introduce a, a fun series that honestly started over a text conversation uh, between me and today's guest, uh, Jared Gossu, I'll bring on in a second. But it's a what-if series. I've seen some other channels do this. wanted to throw uh, our hat into the ring at this. So uh, let me bring on Jared. And uh, when we started talking about this, uh, the, the first inclination is to think about kind of the big moments in IU sports. And it was something something like the watch shop would come up. Like why, what if Christian Watford misses that? What if, um, IU wins against Syracuse in the tournament? The problem with that is those don't feel like big enough sliding door moments because as you and I kind of talked about, does it feel like anything really changes big picture? If either of those things go the other way? No, and we sort of briefly touched on on it with the Watford shot, particularly that it may have actually ironically worked out for the better for us. Uh, you know, maybe we don't get the momentum and win an extra couple of games. And instead of going like 22 and nine, we go 20 and 11. I think it was something like that. And we actually wind up with a lower seed. So we avoid Kentucky in the Sweet 16, which is the only team that really felt like it could beat us. Uh, so it, it's, you're right. It's not a big enough inflection point in the history of Indiana basketball. We had to go much bigger. Yeah. And like with the watch shot, they still make the tournament. They still, they might've actually went a little bit deeper, but that team was kind of primed for a breakout. The, the watch shot, um, was the moment, but that was always felt like it was going to happen. Similar to the IU Syracuse game. IU might have been able to survive Syracuse. That team was running on empty. Uh, for a variety of reasons. They barely survived Temple in the round prior. I don't know that it would have drastically changed things uh, if they beat Syracuse. Because I don't, I mean, you get a matchup with Marquette in the next round, and it's Tom Crean versus Marquette. But ultimately, I don't know that the fate of that team changes all that much. They were they were beaten down. Instead, what we landed on is what our teaser uh, to open today was, has to do with Calvin Sampson. And what if he was never fired by Indiana? Because this is a true sliding doors moment. And this changed a lot. It set uh, a lot of things in motion. It led to the watch shot. It led to all those things we talked about. So what if what if that didn't happen? And before I dive into kind of the what if, of what if it didn't happen, I I wanted to look back and see what did happen. Because... In my mind, uh, he was fired for, I mean, ultimately what he was fired for was just kind of a series of violations where he just didn't really seem all that interested in. Uh, it was the same thing really over and over when it came to phone calls. Um, the the documents I read, everything referred to it as an impermissible call. 
I've also seen it referred to as text messages in the past too. I don't know if the NCAA's wording was simply calls meant phone calls or text messages. Either way, that's what he did it at Oklahoma. He did it at Indiana. He just didn't really give a damn about the recruiting rules when it came to phone calls specifically. Uh, and he was just ignoring them. And it was just a series of those that led to uh, him being fired. But there was no like smoking gun. So I went back and looked. One of the first things he came under fire for at Indiana was the recruitment of Eric Gordon because Eric Gordon signed. Actually, I don't know they specifically signed a letter of intent. He was committed to Illinois. Um, he gave them a ver early verbal commitment to Illinois. Kelvin Sampson was like, okay, cool. I'm going to keep recruiting you and eventually flips the recruitment to IU. That's a pretty common thing now. Like I, we saw it with the football team and Dave McCullough. He was still being recruited, even though he had, um, committed to Indiana. Once his dad left, went to Notre Dame Schools came in, he was being recruited. He was going on visits while committed to Indiana. So that is still a thing. Not to say at the time it was taboo. If you look at it now and say he came under fire for recruiting somebody already verbally committed, that's commonplace at this point. What's harder to make uh, some excuses for is not just the fact that he called or made impermissible calls. It's also just simply the volume of them. When he was at Oklahoma, uh, they had an investigation which ran past the time he left Oklahoma to come to IU. He was sentenced, quote-unquote, while at IU. He made, over a four-year period, 550 impermissible calls to 17 different recruits at Oklahoma. That is some needy ex-girlfriend type of stuff here. That is 32 calls per recruit impermissible calls that he made uh which like i respect the dedication but holy moly um he he just didn't give a damn so the result was he was not allowed to recruit off campus or make phone calls for one year this was in 2007 while under probation for that while having that ruling um he just said, okay, that's cool. We can do conference calls. He was putting the phone on speaker. He was having an assistant call him, put the phone on speaker, and he would just casually listen into the conversation and uh, see what was going on or, or things of that nature. Uh, really just kind of bending, uh, bending the rules, uh, probably just outright breaking them. I read the document and here's some of the guys that he broke the rules for. And this is some real remember some guys hours that I'm about to throw your way for college basketball. Uh, this is who Samson and his staff, various levels of rule breaking uh, that went on. Uh, Yancey Gates was one of them, I think from Cincinnati, went to Cincinnati. Evan Turner was one of them. Dimitri McCamey, uh, Markeith Morris, Marcus Morris, Dewan Blair, uh, Bud Mackey, Scott Martin, Robbie Hummel, uh, and then Derek Elston, I had to make a special note for, because not only did he do impermissible phone calls, there was also a, a situation described where his where uh, Calvin Sampson's assistant coach 
uh, I don't have his his first name. Meyer is his last name. Uh, Elston came on campus for a camp, and he was being recruited by Indiana. And there was a situation where uh, the assistant coach, Meyer, Elston, and Elston's high school basketball coach were at a bookstore. And the assistant coach walked over, picked up a T-shirt and a drawstring backpack, handed it to uh, the head coach because he wasn't supposed to have any direct contact with Elston himself, and then said, hey, if you think of it, give this to Elston on the ride home today. And it's it was one of those scenes that you see in a movie where, like, the coach is talking to a co- the college coach is talking to a high school coach, and you're like, that would never happen. That's literally what this staff was doing. Uh, ultimately, it leads to uh, Indiana investigating him, NCAA cracking down. He's fired in February of 2008. All of it, almost all of it, stemming from uh, the this these calls, these text messages, these impermissible calls and whatnot. And the irony is that he was fired in February of 08. Uh, in 2012, the NCAA makes a ruling to just deregulate phone calls and text messages. Just it's not something they're going to monitor anymore. It was the right call. It was probably too late of a call, but especially in the modern era, uh, there's no shot you're going to be able to regulate phone calls and text messages. So they just went away, deregulated it, and Calvin Sampson was just kind of one of the, the final big punishments. So what if the timelines were shifted a little bit? Maybe Sampson is at IU a little bit later. Maybe they the NCAA is proactive, which is not something that they are, and they make this ruling a little bit earlier. And Kelvin Sampson is never fired from Indiana. He get maybe he gets away with all these phone calls. Uh, they change the ruling, and he's never punished. What does that look like for Indiana? And that's what we're going to dive into here in our second segment. Before that, though. Let's talk about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local auto parts chain store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the part on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computer access with uh, at home or in your pocket to go to rockauto.com today. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even just new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Head to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Big thanks to you guys for making Locked On Hoosiers your first listen every single day. Jared, I just uh, talked for quite a while laying out the scenario here. When I say what if Kelvin Sampson is never fired by IU, what just general thoughts come to your mind? Uh, national championships. Um, no Verdell Jones years. Um, <laughs> unnecessary shot at Verdell Jones. I have a lot of love for Verdell Jones, but let's let's be honest. He's not our starting point guard in a Kelvin Sampson team. Um, 
consistently consistently landing recruits. Uh, basically, every criticism from the end of the Archie era, end of the Crean era, you can kind of combine it into one and just be like, this is what IU is. So locking down the state of Indiana for recruiting, uh, putting an iron fence up, not losing recruits to Purdue in-state, let alone Ohio State out-of-state. Um, you know, consistently top 10 preseason, top 15 preseason, um, four seeds and above. I mean, just a consistent basketball program that that doesn't have to claw itself back from the depths of NCAA-sanctioned hell. Um, look, obviously, do we win all of the national titles between 2008 and beyond? Probably not. Maybe every other year, but probably not all of them. Um, but it, it, that that consistent success that Indiana seems to not be able to hold on to, even even during the Pete Crean years, um, you know that was only like three or four consecutive years. I mean, we're talking, you know, we're, we're, I'm talking like ten years straight in the tournament as a four or five seed above, uh, you know. Bad years not being criminally impossible to watch Indiana basketball. <laughs> uh, ba- bad years mean that we're not in the top twenty-five. Not having, not having to stress through uh, uh, the the tournament bracket release show and, and have CBS stomp on my throat for two hours, <laughs> dragging everything out. That was the worst era of college basketball ever, by the way. So j- just, just. A, pro, a revitalized program that didn't need to be revitalized because they weren't trampled on by archaic, stupid, pointless NCAA rules. Kelvin Sampson was a man ahead of his time. I, he was a man <laughs> ahead of his time. I dare, I dare anyone to say that most other top-tier coaches weren't doing similar things. Trust me, if Coach K was doing this, this would have been swept under the rug. Uh, Kelvin Sampson's biggest crime was, yes, he was a criminally insane texter, uh, but his big, his other biggest crime was that he was not Mike Krzyzewski, uh, was not Roy Williams, was was not Jim Beheim, was not one of these these pillars, old old, old school pillars of college basketball, because everyone was doing it. So. You, you know, you asked me what Kel- what an Indiana basketball program under Kelvin Sampson looks like. It looks like a really good program with a lot more banners in the rafters. I think of something. Well, I, w- I will say first, what we definitely have, or I definitely learned from looking all this up is Kelvin Sampson is definitely like a line by line texter. There's no doubt about it. This man is, he's not sending you these big, long paragraphs. He's sending One you sentences by yeah. he's sending you, he's sending you sentences by sentences. This man was crazy on his phone back in 2007. Uh, so I am absolutely certain this man is crazy on his phone in 2022. And I, wait, hold on, I I just like to point out because that actually raises a good point that I didn't bring up before. This man pre like pre iPhone days was typing <laughs> out. To, to get to the letter O, you had to type the letter five three times. This man was single line texting hundreds and hundreds of times. I can't imagine how how bad the arthritis is in his thumbs from this era. Yeah, he absolutely has somebody on staff texting out his type. Or, well, no, he's just talking into Siri. He's very much doing that now. Uh, so he, 
I mean, we have kind of a blueprint. Why I'm so confident that he would have success, he's doing it at Houston. Like I, I everybody is watching it happen at a a Houston program that isn't doesn't have the resources that IU would have. So that's why I'm confident in saying he would have had the success at Indiana. He was 21 and 11 in his first year, made it to the round of 32. Uh, but then he turned around in this next season and was 22 and four when he got fired. Uh, his final game for Indiana beat Purdue and then got fired. Uh, so shout out to him. Uh, he won 77 68 over Purdue on February 19th. That was his final game. Indiana goes three and seven the rest of the season, or three and four, excuse me, over their final seven games. And I'm not even going to mention who was coach at that time. You guys probably. Uh, have heard him talk about it over and over again, but I, one of the things I wrote down was simply how many national titles does IU have? Because I, I mean, it, it's a bit uh, optimistic to assume that you're going to win a national title, but this was a program very much on the rise. We've seen what Calvin Sampson has done in the college game since he was locking up recruits left, right, and center. I, I don't know that you can put a number on it, but I would be hard pressed to think that he wouldn't have won multiple national titles at this point. I think IU would be a program similar to a, I don't maybe a bit higher than what Michigan state has kind of become under Izzo. Uh, but something along those lines where they're always uh, continually at a, there's a really high floor on what this IU team is going to be each and every year. And the ceiling is national titles. So it's not, it's fun to think about that. The other big fun thing to think about is just the recruiting. As you said, if we have a top program in Indiana, you're not losing out on the big recruits. Uh, you're not losing out on the Tyler Zellers like we did, the Deshaun Thomases like we did. Um, it probably means you're not missing out on the Marquise Teagues as well, but it's for every win, there might be a loss along the way, but you're keeping all the big guys in Indiana and that has to lead to success elsewhere, which makes me think kind of as the one and done era comes in, does IU become kind of the, the Kentucky of a one and done area era with how good Samson was at recruiting? You'd think so. I mean, you know, Eric Eric Gordon was sort of, you know, is sort of the theoretical poster boy for this, right? The yeah. one, top top five recruit. I think he's one of the two or three highest ranked recruits Indiana's ever signed uh, from two four seven. Um, but you know, Eric Gordon came in, won a lot of basketball games, scored a lot of points, became a top draft pick, and you know. Again, we talk about further, you know, further dominoes outside of the Indiana bubble from this. You know, does does Calipari go to Kentucky? You know, does he go elsewhere? Um, do you know what happens with do, do Tom Crean and Marquette become some sort of you know you know do they become basically like the Gonzaga, the Midwest Gonzaga of the two thousand tens? Does Kelvin Sampson eventually get an offer that he can't refuse to leave elsewhere? Um, what does that look like? And you know, even just even just 
the concern, I guess concern is not really the word, but, you know, look, no one is more familiar with Indiana basketball culture uh, than us. And we know what the fan base is like and how rabid it is when it comes to success and losing. And, you know, in, in a theoretical post Kelvin Sampson world where he leaves, you know, does, do you get, you know, do coaches like Tom Crean get get the the leeway that they got when they weren't making tour? Obviously, they'd be working with a totally different team and a totally different core. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, like the Archie years, you know, where he never made a tournament, but he got to stay for I think it was four years. I mean, that that doesn't happen. That be you know, Indiana. It, it seems it feels to me at least would become a school where it's like, okay, you're not making the tournament, and you're not making the tournament at a specific level you're you're done this is not who we are you know a, a seventh a, a seventh banner an eighth banner a ninth banner you know uh, it all it, these all factor into what a, a a kelvin sampson indiana uh culture sort of looks like but yeah i think we would be like the v hub for one and dones especially given how close to a lot of the as it's very well documented, how close Kelvin Sampson was to a lot of these top kids. Yeah, I I think we're going to touch on some of the, the kind of branches off here in just a minute, but I, I do think that the big thing is just the expectation is raised and to, to probably meet the level that fans want it to be at, as you kind of said. Right now, fans want IU to be the Michigan State and, and better of the big 10, where if you don't make the tournament, it's a catastrophe. Basically. Um, IU isn't there. Hopefully they get there under Calvin Sampson. They're there. You're a regular tournament team. You're a regular, ideally second weekend team. That is the team where you're like, Oh, well, you know, IU is going to be good in March type of team. Uh, so I, I think it changes the, just the way IU is looked at as a program to meet the expectations that um, that fans want them to be at. Let's look at some of the specific branches off and some good, some bad for Indiana here in a moment. First, uh, you guys heard me talk about them last week, but Built Bar now has the amazing coconut brownie chunk puffs. Uh, they also have the coconut brownie chunk Built Bars, but the puffs are... Uh, the newest addition to the roster. Uh, they are a delicious, chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Uh, but stop drooling because the best part is they are good for you. They're low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and all delicious. All built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Uh, delicious coconut rich sweet brownie creamy marshmallow stop fantasizing get to, get to built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now that's built.com head over there find everything you guys want check out all the limited time flavors as well once you're done use the promo code lock 15 to get 15 percent off your order that's promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at built.com now, there are some interesting branches, both good, both bad, that we uh, kind of discussed uh, when looking at this. So let's say um, Samson finishes out maybe the 08 season with Eric Gordon, DJ White. There isn't the controversy hanging over them. 
they maybe that season, maybe the next season, they win a national title. Maybe they win a couple national titles over the next couple of seasons, uh, 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Uh, they they capture the national title. And you kind of alluded to it. But in 2011, the Pacers fired Jim O'Brien and have an opening then. And we've seen other college coaches be tempted by the offer. Kelvin Sampson has himself uh, worked in the NBA kind of because he had to, because he had a show cause uh, slapped on him because of this. And uh, he worked as an assistant in the, um, in the NBA for a while. But uh, let's say maybe he's tempted by uh, the Pacers job. The Pacers at the time fired Jim O'Brien. They had a assistant coach take over named Frank Vogel, who obviously turned out to be a pretty good coach for them. But maybe it's an assistant label that they get to the end of the season and they say, we want to make the big splash and we want to go get Calvin Sampson. And we want to throw a bunch of money at him. He's the the in-state hero. He's going to bring fans to the arena. He's going to bring notoriety to the arena. Uh, people are going to look at the Pacers and be excited uh, which they not they aren't always, especially in that time period. So Calvin Sampson leaves Bloomington in 2011, summer of 2011, and you and I both came to the same conclusion of who they would hire. Who who do you think that they would hire in the summer of 2011 if uh, if Calvin Sampson leaves? Former future Indiana head coach and future Indiana athletic director Brad Stevens, come on down. Welcome to welcome to Indiana. <laughs> uh, I. I think this would have been possible because I think the Butler, a version of the Butler run would have still happened because uh, the recruits that went there weren't top recruits. I I don't think there would have been an overlap between who Kelvin Sampson is recruiting and who Brad Stevens is recruiting at Butler. So there would have been a version of the Butler run. I don't think it would have gained as much traction in the state. I think that run came at a time when IU was really down and a lot of Indiana fans latched on to Butler as their kind of part-time fandom and enjoyed that run. Um, there's probably still a run there. It probably just isn't as big, but Brad Stevens was a really damn good coach, and that was very evident uh, no matter how deep into the tournament they win those back-to-back seasons. So Indiana, uh, maybe they do look at big fish because as you said, when you raise the level of the program like that, uh, perhaps you go looking for someone bigger and to replace Kelvin Sampson. That's going to be hard. And I didn't dive into many of the potentials of who that could be because it felt too right to bring in Brad Stevens in this hypothetical. Uh, he's an in-state coach who everybody's aware was an IU fan at one point in his childhood um and bring him on over to Indiana throw the bag at him and suddenly all those photoshops that we made suddenly uh they they exist in real life and Brad Stevens is the head coach and you hand off the IU program that in this hypothetical scenario has multiple national titles to Brad Stevens what happens with Brad Stevens in charge of IU basketball it's a it's an unbelievable question because you know Look, the, the joke and 
to be fair, none of us are really sure how what percentage of a joke it is, but it, it, Brad Stevens loves Indiana. You know, it, 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 instead of Tom Green saying it's Indiana, it's now Brad Stevens saying it. Um, <laughs> you know, that does, is that is like what people have dreams about. Does and look, does that press conference? Does that quote happen in 2011, 2012? Does it happen, you know, a few years down the line when Brad Stevens he has the Boston Celtics calling him and he says, no, this is my dream job. It's Indiana. Uh, you know, it, 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 in real life, in the real timeline, you know, it's very hard for Brad Stevens to say yes to Indiana when he's been a phenomenal NBA coach and now has his NBA uh, GM gig. Um but in a world where that doesn't exist, does he make that leap? Does he want to make that leap? Um, it, it really is a fascinating question. And, you know, it's it's the dream scenario. And uh, that that is, you know, that is part of the best timeline, so to speak, for uh, how, how this plays out is you have that seamless transition of power. Uh, maybe you get Gordon Hayward as a transfer. Maybe you get Shelvin Mack to come in and and back up Yogi Ferrell. I, I mean, the <laughs> the possibilities are so endless and so 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 much fun uh, to to think about. Um, I know there are some there are some other butterfly effects um, with Kelvin Sampson being IU coach with him leaving. Uh, I'll let I'll let you kick that part off because. Uh, there is the, the butterfly effect does not only work in positive ways. Yeah, this is obviously going to be a largely fun podcast, but uh, there there was one negative we came up with that uh, your butterfly effect, as you said, we started this show talking about the watch shot. Obviously, if Kevin Sampson doesn't leave, there is no watch shot because of what the watch shot signified of IU being back, so to speak. Um there's a pretty good chance Watford isn't even recruited by Indiana. He was a decent recruit. Uh, I think he was, he might've been four stars. I believe he potentially could have been recruited by Indiana, but I don't know. Those were the type of recruits Kelvin Sampson would be looking at. Um, that was a really deep, like what if, but what I do know, John Calipari was hired still by Kentucky in 2009, March 30th of 2009. I think that probably still happens. I, I don't really have a good reason for why that wouldn't happen. Um, Calipari was obviously kind of the hot talent in or at Memphis, and he makes his way over to Kentucky. What I also know, looking back on the recruiting, is that there were only a handful of schools that offered a scholarship, at least according to 247 Sports, to Christian Watford. IU obviously being one of them. Uh, two of the other schools were Memphis and Kentucky. Uh, I don't know the exact details, but, or excuse me, Memphis offered the scholarship. So that was definitely when Calipari was there. Kentucky was interested to some degree. I don't know if that was tied to Calipari, but Calipari was interested in Christian Watford. So let's say in this scenario, that Indiana's not recruiting Christian Watford. Calipari maybe lands his commitment at Memphis. Calipari switches jobs. Christian Watford follows him. We know that 
Christian Watford had success uh, with a rebuilding program and giving them a, a climactic moment that signals they are back. Kentucky was a down program that needed to be rebuilt and needed a moment to signify that they are back. So unfortunately, in this scenario, I think the watch shot still happens. There's just a decent chance that the watch shot happens against Indiana with John Calipari and Christian Watford proving they're back on a national level against a Calvin Sampson team that probably has national titles in this scenario. So you still get the watch shot, but I'm looking at the picture now. Just flip the jerseys, and that is an absolutely hideous thought to think about. What is your visceral reaction to a watch shot against Indiana? Physical illness. Uh, <laughs> physical, physical illness is, is my visceral reaction. But, the, you know, the, the question is now, where does this lead us? You know, does this lead to Kentucky never running away from Indiana? Does this lead to us running away from them? Does it, you know... In my mind, it goes one of two ways. One is the home and home continues, the rivalry continues, you know, where everyone's happy and fine. Uh, the other is I think Brad Stevens would be more comfortable playing them at neutral sites. Um, I think maybe that would still occur. You know, there would be, you know, Brad, look, Brad Stevens made his money in in Hanky. He he made his money in Indianapolis. He's very comfortable playing there, uh, mm-hmm. as he should repeatedly. Um, you know, so do we have those neutral court matchups? Quite honestly, you know, and, and look, going before this, just touching on Cal really quickly. You know, he's at all of his stops: Memphis, UMass, Kentucky. Um, you know, do, look, does he really want to compete? for recruits in the same region as Louisville and a prime Indiana, you know, does, does he want to do that? Does he want to maybe just say, you know, screw it. I haven't gone out West. Let's take over a USC program and run them. You know, who, who knows? I, I think Cal runs, I think Cal's nature is to run from the grind. Um, so I'm not sure that he winds up at Kentucky, but regardless, um, if the watch shot happened to us, I, I, I would be sick. And look, Every Indiana fan would trade what's happened with Kentucky since the watch shot uh, for what's happened with us uh, because Kentucky gets a national title out of it. They get it that season. Um, so Brad Stevens comes in, wins a national title in his first year. Uh, that's a great tone to set. That's a fun tone to set. Uh, I just – I can't imagine – Christian Watford not wearing red cream and crimson <laughs> and it makes me physically ill to think of that happening, you know, in assembly hall or in Rupp. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter either way. The image is viscerally gross. Yeah. I don't, God, like just switching. Like I have the, the picture hanging right here and just switching around the jerseys and thinking about that shot being hit in uh, assembly hall to have Kentucky shock Indiana and just you associate just this loud, crazy reaction um, that Indiana has to just the utter silence that would have happened. If the, the shoe was on the other foot is just, Oh, I absolutely, I absolutely hate it. 
I, ju- I just thought of the worst scenario, and I'm not sure if we texted about this, but I think I thought of the worst scenario. It's that Cal goes to like USC. He goes to he, you know, maybe he takes the Kelvin Sampson route. He goes to the NBA or he goes to Houston. You know, who, who maybe he stays in Memphis and gets caught with his recruiting violations and can't run away from the Derrick Rose SAT stuff. Um, what if Tom Crean is the coach to rebuild Kentucky? <laughs> what if what if Tom Crean is the guy and he's he's wearing the white and blue and he's saying it's the Wildcats it's the Wild oh god it's this Kentucky. is only getting worse I don't like the roads that we're going down <laughs> it's Kentucky it's Kentucky I was trying to find like a, a a team out west that Calipari could potentially run to I think the one I landed on was Arizona just trying to match up the timelines USC and UCLA had coaches come in but it wasn't until like 2012 2013 I don't know that he would have stayed at Memphis that long but I do agree that he probably would have ran west Arizona hired Sean Miller in 2009 that timeline adds up a lot closer that's exactly when he was hired by Calipari so or by Kentucky excuse me so maybe Calipari runs west to Arizona and commits the same level of cheating that Sean Miller did but doesn't get caught I'm sure but uh, maybe less sweating through all of his dress shirts. Maybe, I mean, Arizona was really good during that stretch. They just never won uh, a national title. So maybe he gets it done there. But God, thinking about Tom Crean saying it's Kentucky, it's Kentucky is just, we're ending this because this is getting darker and darker. Uh, and he still ends up in Georgia, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely does. But uh, I part of me enjoys how up and down it would be at Kentucky. I, man, I uh, just the the image you give me two very, very different images of Brad Stevens saying it's Indiana and Tom Crean saying it's Kentucky today. Thanks for that. Really appreciate that one. But uh, we're going to continue some of these what ifs uh, on Friday. I'm going to do a what if Michael Penix doesn't get hurt. Uh, you can pick your year, but you, I think, 2020 is going to be the one that I I focus on. I'm going to do that. We'll bring Jared on to do some other what ifs uh, involving other IU athletics down the line. But thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. Now, know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked on Big Ten. Every day, host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked on take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked on Big Ten your second listen, Locked on Big Ten. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Hoosiers. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. But most importantly, guys, have a great, great Wednesday in LEO.